Good morning. Would you take a few moments and greet one another? Well, thank you, thank you. We're not going to do this every Sunday, but we'll probably do it for a few more. So if you feel really bold, you can sit somewhere else so you can, you can visit people. Or you can run across the sanctuary. Okay, that's the only time we're going to give you permission to run. But uh, you can uh, uh, meet uh, some other people that you don't uh, normally Meet. Uh, I was just asked the question, are we having communion in August? Because we haven't had communion in August for a number of years because of the conflict with Pinebrook. It doesn't conflict this year. So yes, we are having communion in August. That will be the Sunday that we get back from Pinebrook. So please keep that in mind. If you could be the very best at something in the entire world, if you could be the world champion... What would you like to be known for as the world champion? The world's greatest swimmer, the world's greatest boxer. What would you like to be known as the world's greatest? And then, let's change venues here and ask the question, as a Christian, in what area would you like to excel? What area would you like to dominate? That you would, you would like to just, as our brother says, take over. No, but uh, what would you like to be known for? What would be the one area that you would like to come out on top? This morning I'm talking about a holy competition. A holy competition. A desire to excel 
above all others. Our text is rather unique this morning, for the general theme of Scripture is that we should not compare ourselves to each other. That we shouldn't be looking at each other and trying to better ourselves in relationship to others. Galatians 6, 4 states, each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. We are to evaluate ourselves without comparing ourselves to someone else. However, in our text this morning, we have the one place, the one place in Scripture that tells us to compare ourselves with others. And it's the one place in Scripture that says we ought to try to outdo each other. We ought to strive to be the best. We ought to want to rise to the top. We want to excel. We want nobody to do better than we do in this one particular area. It's our next one another passage. Look with me at Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. We've looked at the one another passages of brotherly love already. And now this statement. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdoing one another in showing honor. There's actually a play on words in that admonition. Usually, we seek to incel in order to be honored. Usually, we want to be the best in order to gain the prize, in order to be lifted up, in order to be exalted. Runners run in order to win. Runners run. We are having the Olympic tryouts right now. And people are working hard so that they can get the gold medal. And all the honor and praise that is accompanied with it. We seek to excel in order to be honored. But in our passage, rather than seeking to excel in hopes of being honored, we are to be seeking to excel at honoring others. Instead of seeking praise, we ought to be giving praise. Instead of wanting to be first in most things, we should be working hard at becoming second or third at most things. Have you ever found yourself in that awkward position when you're about ready to go through a door and there's another person uh, next to you and you say, uh, after you. After you. you. You first. There ought to be an argument that takes place. You first. No, no, you first. No, no, you first. No, you first. No, you first. We ought to try to outdo each other in putting other people first. We ought to try to outdo each other in honoring other people. Let's begin by looking at the unusual exhortation to outdo one another in verse uh, 10 of chapter 12. The word translated outdo in the ESV is also translated outdo in the revised version and the new revised version. But if you have a King James... It reads this, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. 
NIV, the old NIV translates it this way. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. NAS, give preference to one another in honor. The King James, the NIV, and the NAS translate this verse in a similar way to what I used as our call of worship this morning, which is Philippians 2.3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. However, the thought in Romans 12.10 is different from the thought that's in Philippians 2.3. In fact, it is a thought that is not found anywhere else in the scripture. The word that is used here to outdo is not found anywhere else in the New Testament. It's only here. That's how unusual this text is. The word that is translated as outdo in secular texts means to go before and lead the way, to blaze the trail, be a leader. The best translations are, in fact, the word outdo. The idea is that we are to excel in showing honor to others. Thus, the only area in the Christian life in which we are competing against each other, the only area in the Christian life when we are to be comparing ourselves to others is in this one simple area. We're trying to outdo each other in honoring each other. We are working our best at not being honored, but in honoring. We don't want to be exalted. We want to be exalting. We want to be lifting other people up. Outdo yourselves in honoring one another. So what does that mean? What does that look like? How are we to do that? Um, According to the Dictionary of New Testament Background, it says this, honor refers to the public acknowledgement of a person's worth, granted on the basis of how fully that individual embodies qualities and behaviors valued by the group. But I look at that and say, well, what in the world does that mean? So I was looking in the scripture for specific ways in which we show honor to one another. And as I did this study, I was led to doing some word studies. So I looked at the Old Testament. There are, uh, first of all, the Old Testament has been translated into Greek, okay? For the people in the, the Jewish people in the captivity, etc., they lost the ability to speak Hebrew, and uh, they were Hellenized, they spoke Greek, and so there was a translation of the Old Testament into Greek. That is known as the Septuagint. So the Old Testament translated into Greek is the Septuagint. So I looked for the Greek word 
that's in our text for honor to see how it was used in the Old Testament translations. And I found that there are six Hebrew words that were translated into the word that we have for honor. So I'm looking at these six Hebrew words to show us what it means to honor. Six ways, if you will, to honor one another. First, to honor in the sense of to make powerful. Place in a position of authority. For example, Joseph was honored by Pharaoh, by Pharaoh's placing Joseph in a position of being second in command in Egypt. Only Pharaoh was more important than Joseph. So he was honored by placing him in a position of authority, in a position of great responsibility. So one way that we honor others is by placing them in a position of authority, in a position of responsibility, of wanting others to lead over us, to direct us, to watch over us, to care for us. There is a humility that says, I want to bring myself under the authority and oversight of another individual. To be accountable. I trust this person. I value this person. I want to make them a leader in our midst. Second, to honor in the sense of to show respect in the way that we speak about a person or in the actions that we take. In the Old Testament, it might be in the form of bowing down before another individual. That demonstration, again, of humility before them. Even as the brothers of Joseph bowed down before him when they came uh, because of his position that he had in Egypt. Third, to honor in the sense of to hold in high esteem, to admire, to look up to, to want to imitate, to want to be like, a role model, if you will. We honor people when from afar we say, that person has a quality that I would like to emulate, that I would like to duplicate, that I would like to have in my own experience. Fourth, to honor in the sense to treat as precious or rare that which is of incredible value, difficult to replace, such as in Proverbs 31, a virtuous woman who can find. We honor people when we look at people and say, you know, how are we ever going to replace that person? Now there's a sense in which we know that no one is irreplaceable. There's a sense in which we know that a sovereign God is going to raise up. But it's the idea that this person is precious. This person is rare. How am I ever going to replace that person in my life? Who am I going to look to that's like that? We ought to feel that way about our spouse. They're precious. 
They're rare. What would I do without them? Who in the world could replace them? What a different mindset from that of adultery or, or that of a promiscuous lifestyle. But to cherish an individual is a way in which we honor them. Fifthly, to honor in the sense to lift up or exalt. Put a person on a pedestal, figuratively or literally. We honor people by placing them at a head table. Oftentimes that head table elevated above the other tables. To make more visible, to be seen, to actually be lifted up. I will give another illustration of that in just a moment. And then lastly, to honor in the sense to adorn with beauty. It is to actually seek to set the person apart by providing them with something of honor, like Joseph's robe of many colors. His father honored him by giving him this garment that he could wear that set him apart. A robe for a king. A crown for his head. Any kind of an adornment that's used. Placard for Miss America, the sheath that she wears. Something that you can put on that distinguishes that person. So at graduations, you know, it's, it's the gown, it's the, it's the clap. It's, it's in academia, you know, there are different hoods that are worn. If you have a doctorate, if you have a master's degree, if you have a bachelor degree, it is seen in the particular way in which the, the hood is worn. All of these are ways to honor individuals. We are to try to seek to outdo each other in honoring each other. To give thought to how can I show appreciation, but not just appreciation in the sense of thankfulness, but appreciation in the sense of uniqueness. This person is unique. Now having said that, I want to look at who we are to honor. Who we are to honor. In this text, it says to honor one another. There's a sense in which we are to honor all mankind. All mankind is worthy of honor, worthy of distinction, because we are made in the image of God. All mankind is elevated above the animal world. We live in a fallen world that sees the animal kingdom virtually on par with human beings. We should not. We should honor our fellow man, our fellow woman. Every human being is worthy of distinction. But beyond that, we're to especially honor our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to welcome them in our midst. We are to recognize the uniqueness of 
of the relationship that they have to God. And because of the uniqueness of the relationship they have to God, the uniqueness of the relationship they have to us. They are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are one of another. And having said that, there are three specific groups of people that the Word of God teaches us that we should honor. We are commanded in the Word of God to honor three groups of people. They ought to come readily to mind. But if they don't, let, them give me, let me give them to you. First, children are to honor their parents. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. In all of the ways in which we just described. Children ought to be outdoing each other in trying to show respect, honor for their parents. The way they talk about them. The way they treat them. The way they look up to them. The way that they admire them. The cards they send. The behaviors that they engage in. All these ways they should seek to be honoring their parents. Secondly, husbands are to honor their wives. 1 Peter 3.7 says this, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now this might seem as an oxymoron. This might seem as antithetical. For notice what this says. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. In our culture, if you think about that, some women would bristle. Uh, bristle. Bristle. Okay, we'll get this right. Bristle at the idea of being a weaker vessel. Okay? I'm just as strong I'm just as powerful. I can do anything that a man can do. And, you know, how many people watch the Ninja Warriors? Okay. The women are coming on strong. They're doing very well. They're competing in the same course. They're running the same way. Okay. The whole aspect of I'm not weaker. People, we've got it wrong. You don't honor people by dishonoring people. Weakness here is not bad. Weakness is honorable in this particular verse. Think with me, if you will, of a very costly vase. Vase. A very costly vase that's beautiful and it's fragile. How do you care for that vase? You set it apart. You guard it. You watch over it. You protect it. You don't want anything to break it, to harm it. Okay? It is the context here is of fragile and valuable. You're to honor your wife 
as that which is fragile, pricely, and can't be replaced. So you don't want anything to happen bad to this wife. It's not talking about inferiority. In fact, he goes on to say, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. The scripture puts men and women on the same plane. Galatians says, neither man nor woman, neither male nor female. It's not about being a second-class citizen. It's saying you should honor them by treating them as though they are this precious vase that could easily be broken or ruined. And because you love them, you want to guard them. We are to outdo each other in honoring our wives in a good sense. Proverbs 31.10, an excellent wife, who can find? She is more precious than jewels. The third group, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. First Corinthians, uh, I'm First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Elders are to be treated with honor. The elders that are in view here are those who occupy the position of elder in the life of the church, not just simply people who are older than ourselves, but the people who hold this office. Elders are to be honored for their position. But beyond being honored for their position, those elders who exercise their leadership well are to be worthy of twice as much honor. Notice verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. So in other words, you're to honor them because they're an elder. But the elders who elder well <laughs> ought to get double honor. They ought to get the honor of being an elder, and then they ought to get the honor of being an elder's elder, of ruling well under the authority of Jesus Christ, with wisdom, with grace, with compassion, and all the things that go along with good leadership. And then it says this in verse 17, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Again, we are to honor those who preach and teach because of the position. And then we are to show a special honor to those who really work at it. To those that give themselves to it. To those that are going to try to excel in their preaching and teaching. The reason preachers and teachers are to be honored in the church is because the word of God is to be honored in the church. 
The word of God is to be central. The word of God is to be central to our worship. And because the word of God is central to our worship, preaching is to be central if the preaching is the preaching of the word of God. And I said I would give you an illustration. In the old days, there was a a cognizant, okay? There was a purposeful recognition of honoring the preaching of the word of God, okay? So, first of all, think of a liturgical church, okay? Liturgical church, a high church, church, maybe they use robes or, or whatever. But if you've been in a liturgical church, there are, have you, have you, have you been in, how many have been in a church where there's two lecterns? Okay? What, can, what do you know about those two lecterns? Are they on the same level? No. There's one down below, and there's one up above. Why is that in a liturgical church? In a liturgical church, the higher lectern is reserved for the reading and the preaching of the word. Everything else is going to be done at this lower lectern. Everything else is going to be down here. Because everything else, though it's important, though it's worship, the word of God is supreme. We've lost that. The word of God is supreme. Honoring the word. How many people have seen those churches, especially, uh, you know, uh, in the turn of, uh, like in the 1700s, uh, maybe have you you've been to the, the church in Williamsburg, or you've uh, seen picture of, of churches where they had what is uh, referred to as the crow's nest. There was a, a staircase that led up to a podium that hung from the wall. How many people have seen pictures of that or seen churches? Okay, some of you, not many. But there might be 30 steps that led up into the pulpit. And so in those churches, it'd be like you are in the middle of that cross up there preaching the word of God. It was done symbolically to elevate the preaching of the word, to honor the preaching of the word, to lift up, to exalt in a very literal, practical way. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to go to have two lecterns or next week I expect us to you know, build a platform up there. But the idea is that the word of God is to be honored. Therefore, those that handle it are to be honored. Conclusion. How can we be the best at honoring others? We need to ask that question for ourselves. How can I go about honoring my fellow human being, my brother and sister in Christ, my mother and my father, my wife, the elders 
especially the elders that rule well, the elders that excel in the preaching and teaching the word of God. How can I do that? How can I lead the way? How can I blazon the trail? How can I be an example to others? It's one of the many one another passages, but the only one another passage that we are to be in competition with each other. Doesn't tell us to outdo loving each other. Doesn't tell us to outdo greeting each other. Doesn't tell us to outdo praying for each other. But it says outdo honoring each other. For it is truly unique. Usually we seek honor. But instead we are to bestow honor. Let's pray. Our Father, help us this day to honor what you honor, to regard with dignity and appreciation what you regard with dignity and appreciation. Oh God, help us not to want honor for ourselves, but help us to want to honor others to your glory and praise. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.